0: Hey everyone,
1: Leonard Kim here, and welcome to another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. Today we have Aurora Winter with us. Uh, she's an MBA and award-winning best-selling author, TV producer, media coach, ghostwriter, and successful serial entrepreneur. Um, Aurora, would you like to take a moment to introduce yourself to our audience? Absolutely. Well,
2: really glad to have the opportunity to uh, to share some things that will help your audience turn their words into wealth. As you mentioned, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've launched three businesses that generated seven figures each in three completely different industries. I've also written six books, not including the ones that I ghostwrite for my clients. And my latest book, Turn Words into Wealth, has already won five awards. So that's a little bit of a taste of why they might want to continue listening to this podcast.
1: Oh, awesome. About those three businesses, what kind
2: of industries were they in? I um, had a company in the film and television industry. I launched a company with a partner in London, England, and we raised $5 million for that company. I also trained coaches in a coach training company. And finally, just to be completely different, I had a yacht sales and yacht charter company that we also had uh, a tax shelter element, too. So I sold tax shelters that looked like boats. Oh, Wow. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. (laughs) Yeah, that was quite fun. It all came from, you know, asking the question, you know, what problems do people have and how can I solve those problems for them and can I do something above and beyond what's expected? So I would look to see, is there a better way, a faster way, or uh, more value that I could add, such as adding, you know, tax benefits to, say, buying a boat, which you wouldn't normally think you could write off and get some tax tax shelter benefits. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I never heard about
1: tax benefits for boats either.
2: Yeah, well, you have to set uh, it up a certain way and you have to have a have a business. So the, uh, and it was interesting. It really taught me about how having a million-dollar idea is not enough. You also have to have a million-dollar message. So the yacht business was when I was fresh out of university, I studied economics. My father's an economist. I was all, like, excited about... Uh, you know, creating spreadsheets and showing people they could have 7% investment tax credit and they could write the vote off at 33 and a third percent per year. and Depending on how much they put down, you know, I crunched all the numbers. I was super, super in love with my Excel spreadsheets. But you know what? That, that did not sell because people did not want to get 200 pages worth of uh, d- uh, documentation around why this worked, written, you know, in very dry language. But what finally... Um, turned that business from something that was just struggling to actually capitalizing on the million-dollar idea of adding tax shelters to selling boats was this message, five weeks of fun, fun, and tax shelter. And people oh. were like, what? What are you talking about? Five weeks of fun, fun, and tax shelter. That was the million-dollar message.
1: That definitely and is that was a million-dollar message. People want to go out for through, the time, yeah. and people want a tax shelter too.
2: <laughs> exactly. And it made people ask more questions. Your million-dollar message doesn't have to contain all the answers. So five weeks of fun, fun, and tax shelter, people had to know, well, how do I do that? How do I get five weeks of sun and fun, and how could that also be a tax shelter? And of course, Uh, It was because the boat was set up as 90% a business asset and 10% a personal asset, and there's 52 weeks in the year, so you can therefore use the boat personally five weeks a year. But honestly, many people don't even use their boat for five weeks a year, so that that worked out really well. Um, But now I'm focused on helping people write their book faster, easier way, and thinking through how this will impact and grow their business and their brand, and how can they get not just a book but also audio, video, and a whole bunch of social media content, and how can they delegate most of that uh, rather than struggling by themselves at 11 p.m. to see if they can write a few words after they've put in a full day at work. So that's what I'm focused on now.
1: Sure. So what are some of the benefits of writing a book?
2: Well, I think that there are so many benefits to writing a book. Many people think about that moment when they hold the book in their hand, and that is like – it's like holding a baby. It's like it's this whole new thing that you created, and that is a beautiful moment and a satisfying moment and a sweet moment and an important moment. You know, your identity changes. You are not just somebody who's thinking about writing a book or working on writing a book. You are a published author, so your identity changes in that moment. But I like to structure things so that every step of the way is rewarding, meaningful, and fun. And most people don't realize how valuable it is to take the time to write their book or take their time to talk to somebody like me who's a ghostwriter or who, who helps them write their book and interviews them. And as they review their life story, they review their business setbacks, they review their business breakthroughs, they reclaim the gold in their own history. It's like mining, <laughs> you know. There's a lot of ore, but there's some gold, there might be some silver, there might be some diamonds, and then there's a lot of, you know, just dirt that you can just let go. And many people find the process of writing their book or working with somebody to create their book so meaningful because it's like they emerge shiny new person having really owned their past, reframed their past, reclaimed their past, and renewed themselves in the present. So that's super valuable. And then the third thing, which is probably what you expected me to say, the third thing is if you have a business or you're launching a business, say as a speaker or a coach, or somebody like that, a consultant, having a book is so important because it it attracts your ideal client in a highly leveraged way, and it repels people who are not your ideal client. So you're leveraging your time by communicating your message one-to-many instead of one-to-one. And Amazon is the number three search engine. So if you have a certain kind of expertise or you want to change the world, it's very important to have a book on Amazon so that you can, you can be found by those people. I mean, what's been your experience with your book?
1: Uh, my book's pretty much generated a lot of stuff, but then it uh, came out like right before the pandemic. And then the mm-hmm. pandemic kind of shut down speaking engagements and things like that. <laughs> so it has to have the same uh, curtail of success that it would during a normal economy. Mhm. And how did you feel when you first
2: held your book in your hands?
1: Oh, well, it felt pretty amazing, especially after having all that uh, process completed. I mean, the publisher took a long time to really get everything done. They did a lot of edits and revisions to do the whole entire process. So uh, the expectation of when it was coming out was like there was so much anticipation behind it that once it came, it felt really good to have that book in hand.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're quite right. Your timing was challenging because all of a sudden, uh, you know, people had to pivot. I know I, I, I am, I'm I in the event business, or I was in the event business. My last event was February 2020 in, uh, in New Mexico, actually, in San Miguel de Allende. And it was such a great event. And I'm like all stoked about the other events I had on the calendar in 2020 and 2021. And then the pandemic hit. So I had to pivot just as, as you did. And yet, having your book, It's the Act, is, it's a game changer. You're a published author. People can read that book. They can find you. And speaking is coming back or people are pivoting. Like I've pivoted, you've pivoted. I think there's a lot of people who are listening to podcasts or uh, speaking, taking advantage of Zoom and other platforms like that. So um, it can be really a game changer. And part of the reason I wrote my most recent book, Turn Words into Wealth, Blueprint for Your Business Brand and Book, is that many people put years into writing their book and then it's published and then nothing happens because they haven't thought through what is this book the beginning of so Marketing Funnel sounds like it's so all about marketing, but it's the beginning of a relationship with the reader. Where do you take them next? Do you know, are they going to come and hear you speak in, in person, Leonard? Probably not. not. Not right now, but maybe next year. But they can tune into your podcast. What are they going to learn from you? So Turn Words Into Wealth shows seven different proven strategies that people have used in order to monetize their books. And some of these strategies, many of them I've used myself, but I've also shared stories from other, you know, well-known people like Ken Ferris or Ariana Huffington or Richard Branson so people can, you know, get a glimpse of some super famous people and well, as well as some uh, people that you may not have heard of before this call, such as myself or some of my clients, and just see how did they do it and what what the numbers actually turned out to be the other interesting way to make money with the book and a clear message is by attracting venture capital and and uh communication is key whether you're whether you're speaking enrolling people leading or raising raising capital so it can be useful so many different ways what do you want to add to that I didn't think
1: about having a book into uh, leading into venture capital. How does that kind of work?
2: Well, I've had a couple of clients who when they first came to me, they were super smart people. You know, I was based in Silicon Valley until just recently. And uh, one of the things we have in Silicon Valley is lots of super smart analytical engineering type people. But often they've got, you know, an idea for really a breakthrough Business process or breakthrough something or other, but they can't communicate it in simple language. So people go, I know that I like you. I know that you're smart, but I have no idea what your business idea is. And if they don't understand, they won't invest. So my track record has been with the clients who've come to me who had an idea, but hadn't raised any capital that once they learned how to convey their message, even before it came out in their book, they were able to raise seven figures. So I had one fellow, for example, Jason Hanneberry. He had a team of about a dozen people running a six-figure business. It was a breakthrough idea. It was kind of like mortgages combined with Amazon. And a really smart guy. But once he got his message clear, he was able to go from raising zero capital to raising um, seven figures, eight figures, I think it was actually. And then now he has a team instead of a dozen people. He's got f- 400 people on his team. So oh, wow. this is what people, you know, we need to know that the most valuable thing that we can work on, even if you're working at home, <laughs> is your communication. What What is it that you're about? What stories can you tell and how can you help yourself and help others by telling those stories in a more clear, concise, compelling way?
1: Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Well, it's about time for a commercial break. Where can people find you online, Aurora?
2: People can find me at my website, aurorawinter.com, A-U-R-O-R-A, winter.com.
1: Perfect. And you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim online and we'll be back after this commercial break.
0: Guarantee. It will be the best hour of your week. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel.
3: Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well... We can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel.
4: We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel.
0: This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hello, uh,
1: welcome back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Lenny Kim here with Aurora Winter. We've been talking a lot about the book creation process and the benefits that come with it. One of the things that Aurora mentioned earlier is the fact that when you go through the book uh, process, you kind of go and relive all those events and it kind of builds you up. Aurora, do you want to talk a little bit more
2: about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a it's a, such a paradox because we typically hide from from the world the things that kind of went wrong, you know, the things that you know we maybe were were hurt by or disappointed by. But in fact, that's where the gold is because people people need to know, like and trust you, and those stories that you've buried or that other people have buried contain the seed of your greatness, my experience is that where your biggest wound is, is also a place where one of your biggest gifts is. And let me make this less abstract and bring it down to the concrete. So for example, you know, my husband died suddenly when he was 33 and our son was just four. And as you can probably imagine in that one day, my life shattered. I felt like Humpty Dumpty. I felt like I just fell off the wall. My life had shattered into hundreds of pieces and I had no idea if I could ever put those pieces back together again or even if I wanted to because I felt so despairing and it was in such deep grief to lose my best friend, my husband, and my business partner. But all I had to do to decide that, yes, I needed to figure this out was look At the innocent eyes of my four-year-old who just looked up at me, trusting that mommy would make this all better. Mommy would find a way to put bread on the table. You know, I lost my business partner. I didn't have a job. I was a fledgling screenwriter, which meant I was, you know, unpaid, learning how to write uh, when he died. So, for many years, I tried to hide that story. I tried not to show people that I was broken, that I was damaged, because it's kind of unusual for a 31-year-old to, to be a widow and to have experienced that. So for many years, I, I uh, tried to glaze over that or skip past that. And yet, my first published book from Heartbreak Happiness, which was endorsed by Dr. Wayne Dyer, and it came out in 2005, so quite some time ago, I shared my intimate diary of healing. And I was so afraid to share it because it really is a diary of healing. And I'm a Leo, so I'm proud, but vain, as Leos are. And part of me wanted to sort of, you know, airbrush it, like kind of clean it up. But I thought, you know, if I, if I, you know, metaphorically clean up the, the mascara streaks and the, the snotty nose as I'm crying on the page, I won't be doing the reader a service. I don't want people to read my book and go, well, I can't even grieve right. Uh, Aurora you know had a devastating uh, circumstance, and she didn't suffer as much as I'm suffering, so I might as well just jump off a bridge. So I decided not to clean the book up and to be real and to be authentic and to show people how much I suffered and to show people that you know there were moments where I thought like really i should <laughs> I should just end it um, and my son basically saved my life because he gave me a very compelling reason not to do so so although I agonized over publishing that book. And I only was able to publish it by telling myself, you know, if this helps one other young widow hang in there, it's worth it. Yeah. But the response to that book was not bad at all. Most people were really moved by the honesty. And so we hide those stories that actually are the key to connecting with others. And when you work on your book if if you work, uh, if you work deeply by yourself and you really dig for the depth of your stories and look at, you know, what are the worst moments in your life, what were the best moments in your life, and in your business, you'll you'll find a lot of gold. And f- for my clients who are working with me, and I'm a coach as well as a writer, um, you know, I hold a safe space for them to explore that. And so, uh, you know, I think you probably, you know, with your expertise about influencing, probably have quite a bit to say about. Authenticity, and and by not hiding those things that make us real, we can connect with others. And yet, you need to tell the story in an effective way. Like if you just start, you know, crying, and there's no point to it, or you haven't gotten over it, that might not be magnetic in a business sense. But once you've come out the other side, and you can um, harvest those experiences for. Wisdom and consciousness and empathy and insight, then you have some real gifts to share with others. What would you say to that, Leonard? I definitely agree with that.
1: I mean, in my book, I have an exposure resume, which is kind of like writing out your own regular resume, but instead of talking about the highlights, you look for all the downfalls and pitfalls that you kind of walk through in your own life. And it helps you first Mm -hmm. identify them, then it talks through the process of how to go and develop those into stories that you can go and use for different types of content. And it really helps you go and own those things. And one, it's very therapeutic because it's a lot better than paying hundreds and. dollars thousands of dollars for therapy because you're going through the process yourself and you're writing it down and uh, healing within as you go through the process of the story but also at the same time you get to own it and when other people begin to read it, they not only get to uh, know, like, and trust you, as you mentioned, but because of those uh, elements that you're sharing that no one else really does, it gives you that ability to breach that uh, even further. So then it's as if people begin to fall in love with you. And when people fall in love with you, that's when they do business with you. That's when they invite you to speak. That's when they invite you to uh, different places. And that's when uh, opportunities really just open up. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Exactly right. And you skip the step, which is that not only do other people fall in love with you, but you fall in love with you. Oh, yeah, because that's we so true. often don't, we don't talk to ourselves. And the process of writing a book, it's, it's like you're talking to yourself. It's like you're looking at what do you really believe? What do you really feel? What were the breakthrough moments? What were the places where you hit that brick wall? And, and that process, I don't know, I've all seen people come out the other side just recharged and reinvigorated about life.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people, when they go through that process, like, they really get, Uh, the ability to really know and understand themselves. And I think a lot of people just go through life without actually fully able to understand who they are, and then that kind of gets them stuck where they are. And then they spend a few years just withering away, and then they just need that retouch, where that spark to reignite. And by finding yourself, that's really what does it for most people. Exactly right. Was there
2: something surprising you learned about yourself? In the process of writing your book,
1: Leonard. Oh, now I'm a lot more resilient than I think I am.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: and I could probably make <laughs> it through anything. Know. And uh, I don't know, <laughs> like uh, I've been through yeah. so much. Like it's just like, how does he keep going? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that Sounds like you gained more respect for yourself, and also yeah. uh, comfort knowing that you've got that capacity of resilience. So that's cool.
1: Yeah, and I think another thing it did is, like, when things get really scary, like, you know, like, life always gets scary every now and then, uh, that things aren't uh, as bad as they seem, and they're overcomable, and uh, it just takes some, uh, just sticking with the plan and moving forward to kind of get there.
2: Exactly right. One of the things I, I want to share with people to kind of wake them up to the value of um, the value of writing is how much of a difference it can make. So, are you still there, Leonard? I'm still here. Yeah, okay. So, this was this was amazing. This was published in the book uh, Significant Objects. So, they uh-huh. took a hundred books, a hundred different objects, they put them on eBay, either with a story or without a story. And the stories were not like pitches, they were just adding significance and they were written by all, all different people. So, they had professional writers, they had some just amateur people. Some of the stories were even uh, negative but they added significance to the object. So, and they even told people, you know, in the small print, they said, hey, this is just an experiment we're testing this out and, and they were um, transparent about it. So, do you think the, people, the, the, the same object with a story, or without a story, which one do you think sold for more? And by how much? The ones with the stories. Absolutely. And what would be your guess? How much more a story would add to the value of the object? Probably 50%. This was shocking. The story added 27 times. So it increased the value 2,700%.
1: That's crazy.
2: Isn't that amazing? So I, I tell people this, obviously, if you're selling you know, a house and you have a good story, it's probably not going to sell for 27 times the amount if your house is $2 million. <laughs> but I, I, I share this statistic with people to help them stop working all the time to make the thing that they're doing, their, their widget, their product or service a little bit better and to really invest more time learning how to communicate about what you do in a compelling way and to value the time that you're learning those new skills, value the time that you're spending listening to this podcast or reading your book, Dix the Act, or reading my book, Turn Words into Wealth, that these are high leverage activities because if we can learn to communicate even a little bit better, the return will be huge. Plus, it's a skill that you keep with you forever for your entire life. So, in my opinion, there's nothing more valuable than being able to communicate effectively. It is the highest leverage tool in our toolkit. And everybody has access to words, so it's just to make the decision to choose to allocate some time and learn how to communicate more effectively in written words and spoken words and video on podcasts whatever the case may be.
1: Yeah, I can absolutely see that. And one of the questions I have for you is, um, you're an MBA, but you're also an author. Do you think that you found more value out of going out there and becoming an author or becoming an MBA?
2: Uh, wow. Well, that's an interesting question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I've written my whole life since i since I've been nine. um, so, I think being an author, you know, I think anybody can get an, any, an MBA and anybody can get or some kind of terminal degree and, and anybody can become an author, but it says something about you if you finish the degree and you go ahead and get an MBA or if you finish a book and publish it and promote it, you are then a published author. So, having, becoming a published author is, is I would say, more or less equivalent to getting an MBA in the sense that people look at somebody who is a doctor or who is a dentist or who is a chiropractor or who is a published author. Like they get a certain level of respect because they have put the effort in. So it was interesting. I took the MBA and I went to, I took some time off. And went to Italy to take a program that was primarily through the University of Iowa. So, it wasn't my classes were not in Italian; they were in English, thank God, because I don't speak Italian that well. (laughs) Um, And you know, it took a lot of a lot of time and effort to to go and live in 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 Italy and get my MBA. But I'm really glad that I did. But mostly, I felt that it just confirmed that I already knew what I was doing. because I had run a bunch of businesses businesses already and started them from scratch, but it took away that little nagging voice. I'm going to confess, make a confession here. That little nagging voice that said, you know, I'm not good enough. I need to know more. You know, there's something else out there. So now I'm like, okay, I have an MBA. It's from 2015. This is as good as it gets, and nothing is missing. And uh, it just gave me... Certainty that I know what I'm talking about. Part of why I got my MBA is people kept asking me, you know, for help with marketing or messaging for their business, and I'm like, to be an integrity. I should probably get an MBA. Um, But yeah, so (laughs) kind of like uh,
1: the way the imposter syndrome that comes with a lot of the success that a lot of people have.
2: Exactly. Yeah, I even write about the imposter syndrome and turn words into wealth. I think it is that. one of those big things that trips us up, that in perfectionism, which is another thing I'm recovering from. Recovering perfectionist. You know, done is better than perfect. Seth Godin, I think, is my hero on that. He really encourages people and he calls it shipping. Ship. He calls it shipping. To, <laughs> yeah, he calls you know, you have to commit to ship to ship whatever you committed to ship, whether it's a book or a course or a widget, whatever you do. So I, uh, you know, I, I really, I really like that. But with Amazon being the number three search engine, it, you know, anyone who has certain kind of expertise would really benefit from having a book on Amazon so that they can be discovered. And, you know, one of the drawbacks of the pandemic is we're not traveling as much, but one of the benefits is that e- people are reading ebooks much more than before and consuming audiobooks much more than before. Uh, so having a, uh, an ebook, an audiobook, a print book, a hardcover book available on Amazon and other platforms is such an important part of your marketing funnel. Then you can follow it up with your social media and your videos and whatever else you're doing. But if you don't have a book on Amazon, you're missing the number three search engine. And the cool thing about Amazon is when people are on Amazon, they are buying. <laughs> you're not interrupting them. You know, like you might be interrupting people on other social media platforms with a message and they, you know, rumble if they need to go somewhere else or get out their credit card, but not so on Amazon. People on Amazon are buying and the best way for you to share what you're up to, at least in my completely biased view, is with a book. I love books. I am obsessed with books, but uh, at least I'm clear what my bias is. (laughs) People. like a decade of what they've learned into a book and you can buy it for 10 or 20 bucks. I mean, that is a great value proposition.
1: Yeah. Books are amazing. You get so much value for so little money. Like some people like go their entire careers and talk about how to build multi-million to multi-billion dollar companies. Like, here you go. It's only 20 bucks. And it's like, wow, that's such a deal. (laughs)
2: that's a deal exactly and and people put so much more effort into a book than they put into a video or an article or even you know a magazine article and uh, not knocking them but there's just a higher standard with books so you get much more condensed information. The other thing that's so cool about all the changes that have happened with technology, with Zoom, with uh, high-speed internet, uh, so available, all kinds of platforms available where you can access people with expertise around the world, is that now you and I and all of the listeners have access to the same things, the same ways to write books that in the past were exclusively used by royalty, the rich and famous, business tycoons and politicians. For example, Winston Churchill, do you think he wrote every word of all of his books? No. He oh dictated. God. He dictated. He had a secretary. He had an editor. He had a researcher. And but it were they were his thoughts. It is value from Churchill. And the same thing with Arianna Huffington. She's got a ghostwriter. Richard Branson admits he's got a ghostwriter. Uh, Hillary Clinton thanks a long list of secretaries and editors and researchers in the back of her book. Some politicians even, you know, acknowledge the the ghostwriter as a co-writer on on the front. So what I would really love people listening to to uh, one breakthrough I'd love them to have is to tease apart. But the author is the person whose story it is. The author is the person whose ideas it is. But that doesn't mean that the author also has to be the person, you know, typing uh, at night with one finger. The author doesn't have to be the person who's the book designer or the layout designer or the marketer or the publicist. So for some reason, a lot of people get a hang-up that if they're going to author a book, that they have to write Every word, and I, I really love to free people from that demon. You don't have to write every word; you can speak every word. It's much faster, and uh, you can work with with experts such as myself and and uh, other people, or you can even, you know, talk your talk your message into your phone or other apps, and and then you can use a team of people around the world to help turn it into a, a polished, professionally produced book. And I'm really keen about this because I think everybody's got a book in them. And if it doesn't come out of you and you die with your book inside of you, that would be a loss for humanity.
1: Yeah, that's true. Well, it's about time for us to go to another commercial break. If people are looking for help in writing a book, where can they find you again? Uh, They can
2: go to my website, which is aurorawinter.com. A-U-R-O-R-A-W-I-N-P-E-R.com. Cool, and you can find me at Mr. Lion Kim
1: online, and we'll be back after this commercial break.
3: Voice America is available on your Google-connected device.
1: Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio.
3: Try it today. Get Unchained. Influencers Channel
0: channel
4: replay on Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel.
0: This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree.
1: Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim here with Aurora Winter. We've been talking a lot over the break about the neuroscience of uh, communication. I wanted Aurora to get more into that. Um... Uh, what exactly is the ne- neuroscience of communication, and how does that
2: work? I'm excited to talk about this. Most people think that the message sent is the message received, and they couldn't be more wrong. And oftentimes, the more education you have, the worse you communicate, because you've been taught in university to be very academic and... Uh, very uh, abstract, and these are exactly the opposite of how people communicate. So let me demonstrate uh, the neuroscience of communication with a little story that will teach you the neuroscience of communication so that you can use it right away and remember. So there's basically three steps to communicating, and it does have to go in this sequence. And it's based upon how our brain evolved. So the oldest part of our brain is the crocodile brain, or the reptilian brain. And let's just imagine that you have a message for the king and queen, and you are galloping up on your horse with this message. Well, you can imagine there's going to be a a castle with a moat, and there's crocodiles in it. So, do you just arrive and talk to the king and queen? Are they outside the castle, outside the moat? No, of course not. So, first, you have to get the croc's uh, permission to pass, as it were. And the ancient reptilian brain is very simple. Like a crocodile, it just needs to know, you know, is there something tasty here? Is this something uh, shiny or good or something to mate with or something new, revolutionary, different, fresh, not just the same old, same old? So that would be, you know, clickbait or, you know, just clearly communicating what is the value. So, for example, the title of my book, Turn the Word into Wealth is crock brain, because in just a couple of words, I've communicated the value. Okay, so you're there on your horse, you get your message across, and uh, the drawbridge comes down, and you trot in, and now you are inside, but are you going to be immediately talking to the king and queen? Oh, of course not. Yeah, Now you are in the middle, so to speak. And what is the second part of the brain that needs to be addressed would be the mid brain. Of course, I'm oversimplifying this to make it simple. But what's in the middle there are going to be people who will greet you. They'll take your horse. They'll have a look at you. They'll just subtly be doing the status Smith test. So if you arrive on your horse and you've been sent from somebody that they know, that's the know, like, and trust. Or if you are you know, well-dressed you're going to pass that Smith test. If, on the other hand, you look like a bum and that you haven't eaten for two weeks, you might not pass the midbrain test. So the midbrain is about social connections, making sure that you have enough status, that you are somebody that they can uh, recognize as, as okay. So if you pass that second test, and that you can do easily by talking about, you know, the fact that you've got a published book, the fact that in, in the case of my book, Turn Words Into wealth. It's won five book awards, so that is social proof. Other people thought that it was worth giving, you know, the top business book of the year in 2021 award to turn words into wealth. Oh, okay, it's passing the midbrain test or the social proof test. Then the next step is the step that we usually start at, if you've been taught in university, which is talking to the cerebral cortex. So let's just imagine that we're still in this uh, scenario and the nobles take you into the throne room. I don't know if you've watched Game of Thrones, but let's imagine Game of Thrones and you get, you get the opportunity there to talk to, to Cersei and, uh, who's the queen and her son, who is the, um, very young and, uh, irrational king. So over oversimplifying, again, you want to tell stories to relate to the emotional part of the brain, and you want to give facts to back up what you're talking about to appeal to the more analytical side of the brain. So you'll talk to the king, you'll talk to the queen, and instead of talking, you know, for an hour and then seeing how that's going, obviously you'd know Cersei Lannister would never uh, tolerate that. You want to give a little bit of your message, give some story or some soundbite, and then see how that's going, and then get permission, basically. And permission just looks like they ask you a question, or they say, continue can, can, can on. And so, those are the three steps. So, first, the crock brain, so something to attract. What is the point? Why Why should they listen to you? It's expensive to listen. Listening is um, is expensive from, a, from a, um, a, a biological point of view, because we have to... Use a bunch of fat if we're going to use our cerebral cortex. So first, the cross-brain, quickly get the attention. Second, the midbrain, the social proof, the status, the you're okay and other people think you're okay. And then the third one is you do get to speak to the king and queen in the throne room, and you get to mix up telling those stories that connect with the emotions. With the the facts to back up what you're saying. If it's all facts, the queen will get bored. <laughs> if it's all emotions, the king will get bored. Oversimplifying here, and so you Thanks. want to combine those things. <laughs> yeah. So the best stories are are ideas <laughs> wrapped in emotion. That seem to trigger something with you. Have you been in those circumstances where either it's been all too much data or too much emotion?
1: Yeah. So what's the best balance when it comes to like too much data and too much motion? Is it like 50-50,
2: 60-40, 70-30? It really depends on who you're speaking to. So that's one thing that I really love about coaching people. You know, if you coach somebody one-on-one, you are listening to and you're perceiving the, the micro-expressions of, of their body and whether they're listening or not. When you are speaking to a group, perhaps you've already experienced this, Leonard, you sort of read the room. And what does that mean when we read the room? It's like we are receiving all this data from the audience, and we can see if people are restless because they're bored, or we can see if they're leaning forward, hanging on every word. You can see if people are emotional and, and tearing up and they're really connected with your story or they're getting excited because it's an exciting story. So it would be hard to, to say, but I would, you know, your best guess is start off with 50-50 and then tailor as would be appropriate. When I'm speaking to my older brother who is uh, um, a quantum physicist, a lot more data <laughs> is needed. <Yeah. laughs> uh. When I'm talking to his wife, a lot more emotion is needed. So, what about you? What, uh, what kind of blend do you prefer when you're listening? Um, I
1: usually start with about sixty forty, uh, mostly on the story side, just because I'm a little bit more uh, acclimated to stories, and uh, a lot of my uh, a lot of my reactions from my work are gut based, and then I back it with analytics mm-hmm. afterwards, uh, just from. Being involved in stuff for so long, you kind of uh, build an intuition towards what you do. If that kind of makes sense.
2: Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's one of one of the things I loved when I took my MBA. They had a focus on uh, on neuroscience, so got to play with having uh, all those cables on the brain and see different reactions. It's very, it's very interesting. These are the things that can be learned. Uh, I think really good communication is a lot more like uh, ballroom dancing than it is like going for a walk. And everybody can, can talk. It's like walking, walking and talking, kind of similar. Everybody can do it. But we know when we watch excellent ballroom dancers that they've rehearsed, that they've practiced, that it's choreographed. And it's the same thing with a book or with a talk. So there's a reason why Steve Jobs practiced for three weeks before the Apple launches. He knew it was worth the time to put in to get polished and practiced. So we're not born ballroom dancers, and we're not born you know, compelling public speakers or stand-up comics, and yet it's a skill that we can all grow, just like you discovered that you're much more resilient than you knew. <laughs> by doing your book I think each person can also discover there's a better communicator within them than they currently have and all they need to do is decide to become better and then practice and learn and I have a challenge <laughs> oh, I would love to end with a challenge if we have a second Sure, we can do that okay so the 90 day challenge for everybody listening you can do this and it's even free so the 90 day challenge which will change your life money back guarantee this will change your life is uh, every day for 90 days, write. And it could be as little as five minutes. Just write in your journal what happened yesterday, how you're feeling. Just like talk to yourself for five minutes in writing. Every day for five minutes at least, read something. And read broadly. It doesn't always have to be about your area of expertise or about business. Or... It, could be, it could be poetry. It could be something spiritual. It could be uh, fantasy. Read something five minutes every day. And then once a week, perhaps on Sunday, you know, maybe take 20 minutes or so and just review what you wrote during the week and what you read during the week and see what stands out to you. I promise you, if you do this for 90 days, you will change the trajectory of your life because you'll start to notice patterns. You'll notice that you're always grumbling about a certain coworker. So maybe it's the time to talk to them and and, and, uh, and get a better relationship by confronting a problem rather than just tolerating it. Or you'll notice that you're complaining that you have a hangover again. So maybe you want to drink a little bit less or cut it out entirely. And so when you notice your life over the pattern of several months, you will be inspired and motivated and galvanized. To take action and then when you summarize what you're learning hopefully you'll get even more excited to learn and, and you will you'll become a better version of you. You'll build more skills and more capacity and more curiosity and be able to serve the planet more with all these extra things that you learn and so that also will change the trajectory of your life and then you may discover like Leonard discovered he's more resilient and he knew when I did this process I shifted from feeling that that I was alone, and this was, you know, after my husband had died and I was a single mom with a four-year-old, I shifted from feeling that I was alone and unprotected, and that it was a scary world out there, to feeling that actually, you know, God was answering my prayers, maybe not the next day, but within 90 days, something would happen, and if I didn't review what I'd written, I wouldn't have started to notice this pattern of living in a supportive universe, and that changed my experience of living from being a scary experience of feeling alone and afraid to feeling like, you know what, this is difficult, but it's going to work out. It's okay. Things are conspiring to support me. So that's my 90 day challenge. you can you can direct message me on LinkedIn and, and let me know what your experience is as you try it. Have you ever done anything like that, Leonard, or are you willing to take on this challenge? Well, I did 90 days of writing,
1: and that's what really propelled my career at the very beginning back in 2013 when I did that. Um, within the first six months, I ended up with 2 million reads on my content, and within a year and a half, it ended up in 10 million reads. Then it led to media features, writing for ink, a book, speaking engagements, a TEDx talk, and all this other stuff. So just starting with writing for about 90 days, it can really uh, do wonders for your life. So I implore everyone to go out there and take that 90-day challenge.
2: Yeah, you're a good uh, proof in the pudding of what can happen <laughs> when you do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, everyone, thank you so much uh, Aura for being on the show with us today. Anyone who wants to learn more about Aura, you can visit AuraWinter.com That's A-U-R-O-R-A-W-I-N-T-E-R.com. com. You can always find me on Mr. Leonard Kim and I wanted to thank everyone else uh, for joining us for another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree and we'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.